0: Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today's very special guest is Jesse Onemore Sanchez. For people who don't know who Jesse is, he was actually, I believe, my second podcast interview that I ever got to have, where I actually appeared on his show, Dragging the Line, with his cousin Paul. And it was actually really a lot of fun because it was not a typical mental health podcast, so we actually delved into other things. But it was really cool to see them actually embrace that, kind of, that side of it. So I'm really thankful for him for letting me tell my story. On there, so I decided to have him tell his story because he's got a very incredible story himself of perseverance through adversity. You can check out Jesse at his podcast Dragging the Line, along with his cousin Paul, his YouTube channel, his Instagram and Twitter both at One More Sanchez. Also, you can check him out at LinkedIn as well as TikTok. I had a really great time interviewing Jesse. It's always nice to have somebody on that's so real about their experiences, and you know, you can kind of tell that. This is a lot of stuff that he had to kind of deal with pretty recently, and he's he's even very open about a lot of the struggles that he had, even opening up about it, and it's really cool to see somebody go from very being very closed off to this type of talk to, you know, now that he's got a podcast, he's really airing out a lot of this stuff, and he really does seem like he has changed for the better, and it's really cool to see that happen, especially, you know, a very strong man like Jesse being able to, you know, talk about these emotions and also talk about his struggles. So hopefully that's relatable to a lot of you out there. But before I ramble on, let's go straight into the video. what's happening everybody welcome back to the mental health chats I am lucky or mental health casual whichever you one you prefer I use them pretty interchangeably nowadays but uh yeah today I have on a very special guest and uh for people that don't know I started another podcast with my friend Paul and one of the reasons why I did that was because I came on this guy's podcast uh, along with his uh, his cousin Paul and uh you know I got I got gave me the inspiration to kind of talk because in these you know in this obviously this podcast is great I love it but I don't really get to be myself as much in terms of like, I'm always looking at things through a mental health lens. I'm always looking at things, trying to see how it brings to my audience. Whereas on my other podcasts, I'm just kind of uh, saying whatever's on my mind. I say stupid stuff. Me and my friend just did a podcast about um, stupid stuff we did when we were drunk and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, obviously, you know, he he's had a big uh, influence on me in my life. And so, uh also he was the second he was the first ever podcaster to actually reach out and ask for me if i wanted to be on his podcast which i thought was you know a lot of people don't realize how far that actually goes but it was just like i was like man i was reaching out to five six seven maybe podcasts i got one back and then just one came out of nowhere i was like oh man somebody actually wants to hear my story that's awesome so yeah we got Jesse, one more sanchez here and he is the host uh one of the hosts of Dragon the line and Jesse, I just want to kind of, you know, give you the floor a little bit. You know, how what's your your background in terms of mental health? Like what um obviously there's a pretty significant uh event in your history as well. But I mean, had you ever experienced mental health in like family members before or anything like that?
1: that uh, for, first off, Lucky, thank you again. For, me, thank you for having me on the show, man. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. So I I I'm glad that I've seen you, you know. You've been moving up in the rankings man so i've been listening to you so appreciate it um but to answer your question anyone with, with mental health in my family i'm pretty sure my one of some of my family members may have had it but i don't think they talked about it you know because everything is you know pretty they don't like you know to find they, they look at it as a weakness uh which my story which we'll get into a little little further down the segment um it's kind of open doors for everyone. You know, a lot now stories are coming along with the family and, and you know, the, you know, mental health. So your, um, you being on the show was one of the episodes that kind of opened the, the gave me, gave us the opportunity to talk about it and, and actually listening to one of your episodes, the very beginning ones that you did, Kind of made it okay. So in, in a way, you made you made you made me want to open up and 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 um, truly find out what mental health was because I didn't know in the beginning until you came on the show.
0: Yeah, and you know I think that's a real common theme that I'm finding. I mean, you know, I've been talking a lot. I mean, by a lot, I mean like on almost every single podcast, including my anime one. You know, I'm I'm starting to see like this decline in young men, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. You know. In terms of, you know, drive, is it the social media, all the kind of stuff? I'm always trying to find reasons behind it. But, you know, I, th- I do definitely think one of them is that our, you know, whenever we do kind of express our problems, they are kind of seen as oh, you're just bitching. You know, what are you doing? You know, just keep that stuff to yourself. And that it's not okay until you get really drunk with your friends. And then all of a sudden, everybody's crying and everybody's talking, but you can just blame it on the drink, right? And so I think that's a really, a really big point that you're saying right there, because it, it is... And of course it is kind of 50/50 like you still have to be able to be be a little bit tough in certain situations you can't just break down you you do have to kind of draw that line between um you know finding that emotional balance but also you know being being tough when you need to right being the backbone that that somebody needs you know i remember at my my father's funeral i i did cry but when i had to go up and speak i spoke you know and so that's kind of the the thing that has to go on with it um and speaking of you know fathers could you kind of explain your relationship with your uh your your biological father i won't say what your your mother calls him but uh (laughs) but you know could you kind of explain that that dynamic uh yeah
1: you know um I talked about it before growing up. Uh, my, my real father was an abusive guy, you know, um, had anger management. Um, I grew up where he physically abused my mom, you know, I witnessed that at a very young age. Uh, I talked about a story that one time um, ended up burning me in my hand, which I got a little little scar right there, you know, put my hand on the fire. And so this was all in my toddler years. And I never understood as to why this was going on or why was he like this Um, teenage years he left and moved to Mexico Um, every summer I would I would go visit him now kind of talking about it when I was eight years old I got sexually molested and so um, I guess his mentality was you know he wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to be a homosexual and and was very you know angry about that so in my summer times He would uh, make me sleep with prostitutes just to make sure that, you know, that I could be a man. So I wouldn't blame that as growing up in my 20s and teens, you know, sleeping with a lot of women or being a womanizer. Uh, But I didn't know that that was bad until recently I talked about it. I thought it was almost like I thought it was a cool thing that, you know, my dad let me do that. But I didn't think about it. That's actually not good at all. You know, so um, I recently confronted him, just kind of explained how I felt and and everything. And it was the one thing that was holding me back for me actually being okay, lifting everything off my shoulders. So I felt like I accomplished it. Um, I think a lot of people didn't agree with me, you know, saying that I called him and didn't give him a heads up, but also he left without not giving me a heads up too. So we can call it even.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. I think the, you know, going back to what you were just saying right there, right. When you, when you did, you know, when you did confront him, it wasn't actually. it. Was, so we have two very different stories of how we kind of cut ties with our father. Now, granted, my my grandfather. I'm sorry, my father died after I said this to him, but I ended up kind of forgiving him and and you know saying like you know go with God in peace. You know, I don't want you to go to, um, go to God without with with regrets or mm-hmm. you know anything like that. Um, and so I was forgiving him for a lot. Yeah, you, know, you when you confronted your father, it was very different. And I want to tell people that there are different ways that you can kind of do this. And it's really up to the person that was victimized to kind of figure out what that is, in my opinion. But, you know, could you kind of go into detail about kind of what you did say to your father in terms of, you know, what, you know, how um, it differs from mine when I was just kind of um, forgiving my father for everything that he'd done to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, are you allowed to cuss here? Or is this, is this go because... for it, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> so when I, when I called him, um i hadn't talked to him for like I, I want to say about four years you know i kind of ignored him i started you know as i grew up i was like this is toxic and i i was very scared i've always been afraid of him you know just his voice just still scares me and uh and i'm a very strong man like i think i talked about it before I my, i used to fight a lot because i was angry because of all this stuff so when i spoke to him i told him i said hey look i want to let you know that um now you, you know, I wanted answers. Why, why did you end up leaving me? Why did you leave, you know, why did you leave to go to Mexico? And at the time I was 13 and my brother was nine. I said, I find that kind of kind of cowardice, you know, like you can't sit here and blame it on my mom when, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have two kids. And um, he wanted to be the victim. You know, it's something that when he was doing that, I think it triggered me because I, I'm like that or I used to be like that. You know, everything, you know, it's his fault and that fault. So in a way, I was like, that's where I got it from. That's where I got it from. I was feeling the victim. So I started getting angry. And I was like, look at my face when I'm talking to you. Be a man. Don't be a coward. You know, Spanish words are really strong. So I was, you know, calling them puto, vete a la verga. Like, it was just, you could just tell. And when he looked, he looked defeated but I wanted him to look at me in my face because I wanted him to deep down. He needed to know how I felt. Um, I didn't cry, but you know, whenever you get angry, you get that burning sensation in your throat and your heart starts going real fast. But immediately when I hung up, I cried and then I cried to my wife, but uh, at least he didn't see that. But it was, um, I, I would say that it was safe enough for me to talk to him over the phone because in person I really do think I would have hit him. And I I, I mean, there's just no doubt about it. If he wouldn't have looked at me, I just would have hit him in the face and not gave zero fucks.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really, really important because, you know, when people... this is why, you know, this is a key example of why I want to have different people on telling the stories because you and I went through life in very different ways, despite having, you know, our fathers in and out of our lives. And, um, you know, and I think that's really important because there may be some young men out there that were fighting a lot, whereas I avoided fights at all costs. Now I was also, I kind of went into the other spectrum where I just bottled all this aggression up and, you know, it just all came out one day. And then, just I couldn't get it back in, you know, whereas, you know, maybe you were you were getting and it seemed like you were getting into more more fights more often. But, you know, I I, I definitely got to the point where, you know, the police could have been called a, on me a couple of points. And, you know, yeah. I think that's just such a an important point in, in nowadays when we're seeing the, you know, the fatherless rate go up in pretty much every community. And it, it really does leave an impact on young men's lives. And I'm starting to kind of question it now, you know, whenever I have my friends around, I, I look at the ones that don't have fathers, you know, there's a couple of them in, in my group uh, as well. And, you know, the ones that do have fathers, I'm like, I I'm trying to figure out if they're like, what the correlation is, just because I like to kind of look at that kind of thing, see, mm-hmm. see what's going on with that. But, you know, I, I think that's such a, I you know, I remember that you had uh you had your mom on uh the podcast at one point and that was like I think that was the the episode that I listened to and I was just like, all right, I can definitely be on these guys' podcast because I, I didn't I had to kind of gauge what uh since you guys aren't normally a mental health podcast, so I mm-hmm. had to kind of gauge it a little bit. Once I heard that one, um it seemed you know, it seemed to me that you got a lot off your chest. I mean, how is this podcast journey really um really helped you with your, you know, your own mental health, because it seems like you and you and Paul are just having, um, you know, having so much fun, but yeah, it seems like you're also getting a lot off your chest whenever you guys, you know, I need to talk about, you know, whether it be your ladies or your family or anything like that. How is it, how is uh you know, hosting drag the line uh, been for you?
1: Now well, thank you. That's, that's a really good question. It's actually helped. I think that it's my own therapy. Um, I've, I'm able to say things that I didn't think I would ever be able to say it or write it just because I, you know, I have a learning disability. So I'm not good at writing or speaking. So just, I mean, writing, sorry. So I'm able to vocalize it. And um, at the end of the day, I wanted to make a difference to somebody, you know, if there was somebody that was going through the same thing being physically abused, sexually abused, uh, mental breakdown, I wanted them to know that, that there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's not easy. But it can happen, and so going back to the podcast, um, I had all that anger p- pent up, and a lot of my family members looked at me still in that bad way. You know, they 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 didn't think, oh, Jesse, you know, can be with one woman, which is my wife now. That now we're going on eleven years faithfully. You know, everybody was like, now nah, Jesse flips them like tortillas. You know, dollar menu here. So I've always before I died, my goal was to have them respect me you know to leave that legacy to I wanted my parents to feel proud of me And when I say that I wanted my stepdad who I call dad I wanted my brother I wanted my uncle and my mom and most importantly my wife I wanted them to be happy I wanted them to say shit he did it and I feel like I got that already and there's still I mean I'm 40 but there's still a lot more to learn so this podcast has helped me personally been able to hear stories like yourself and then I remember in, in our episode when you mentioned uh, the phone, that one guy one guy took your phone and, and and you just lost it. And I asked you, I said, "Hey, did you uh, did you always get into fights?" Because I was wondering at that moment, were you angry like me, but you were able to control it. And so it's maybe the people that I speak to, we all have a connection. We just handle emotions or situations very different. Now with Paul, it's helped him. There was an episode where we talked about our exes and his best friend left with his ex-wife so he was able to release that story and a lot of family members didn't know about it so at the end of the day uh it's helped us a lot it it really has
0: yeah definitely and I think that's that's such a key point and that's why I always I'm always encouraging people you know that's why I got my friend Paul on you know because I I see how much he's going through at this point and you know I was just like you know what man we talk crazy shit all the time man why don't we just talk about on the podcast and whenever you want to open up about certain things you got Mm. an outlet and it's it's funny because you're at first you're kind of uh I mean when you guys first started were did you guys go through that initial phase of like I gotta be careful what I say people are gonna listen to this you know what what was it like when you first started started out and kind of like why why did you and Paul actually get into uh making the podcast anyway
1: so um, I had launched it by myself. I was going to do a podcast and just name it One More Sanchez. Um, Paul called me, and he was like, hey, man, I've been, you know, Paul's my cousin, uh, the, co- the other co-host. Hey, I want to do a podcast. I saw you do, you know, an intro. You know, what 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 can I do? i would be interested. Now, one thing about me is I'm a family person. I'm a friendship. I value my family a lot. I value, you know, like if you live in Austin, if you say, hey, Jesse, I need a ride. I know you personally, I'll go get that. That's just the type of person, and that's a good asset about me. So I said, you know what? Let's do it together. Let's do it together. And um, I would say if it wasn't for him, I probably would have quit because I was started – it, it, I worked better with, with as a team. And so um, it took us a long time. So we started this, like, in May. In August we launched because we were – you know, we went dark immediately. We started talking about, like, first episode – And it's unreleased. He was talking about his wife cheating. Me being sexually molested. And I was like, dude, this ain't gonna work. Like, we can't start off the bat like that. Like, we gotta pull pull some strings back. So, you know, we listened to it. We made those adjustments. We were learning through YouTube. And um, we started off family, you know, our first episodes, you know, because we wanted, we have a huge family. So family started getting in. And then I said, hey, you know what? Let's do friends. Let's start talking about other lives must be more structured so we work together because we have an understanding is i come up with the ideas the creative he comes out with the with the editing and it works you know um there's i think there was only one episode where we kind of bumped heads and that's because i came into it drunk and so i talked about it and the guy that i interviewed was really good friends and he was a recovering alcoholic so it was it was a shit show
0: Yeah, no, I feel that, man. Like every time I do this, you know, I, cause I, for people that don't know, I have two other projects, but they're three podcasts and then two YouTube channels. And so when I'm doing all this stuff, granted, I do most of the editing by myself, but ever since, you know, shout out to Michael out there, you know, he, one day he was just like, Hey man, um, you said you wanted to cut down on videos, but I'm just going to take up editing. I'm going to go in for it. Um, and you can release a, or, you know, I told him, you know, I can only release one video plus the podcast every, uh, I can release the podcast every week, but the one video I do edit because there's a lot of things that you have to go through, through copyright claims. So you have to edit it just right. So you don't get copyright claimed and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, he was just like, you know what, I'll, I'll get two videos out a week. And then on the week that you release videos, I'll, you know, I'll do one, you do one, And yeah, we've been going strong ever since. And I think it's been, it's been really awesome. And I really see that in you guys as well, especially when you guys were interviewing me, you guys kind of worked off of each other. Um, And it was, it was funny, like, you know, since I do have social anxiety, I catch on to little things and you guys had very different ways uh, or different things you wanted to know about me. And that's, that was actually really refreshing it was almost like i was getting giving two different interviews at once you know when when you know you have a an opening day thing uh, background behind you it's like having just a bunch of reporters ask you different questions from different networks which i think is really a really cool dynamic especially when you guys are talking you know there's, there's a little you know i told you guys this on on your podcast you know there's something real about you and that's what i really like because you know even though you know there was some editing in there i just kind of wanted my story to be just thrown out there and you know if i if i mess up you know i mess up, but you know, I, I I kind of want to um, you know ask you like how how are you doing nowadays? You know, because I I, I find myself still struggling with quite a bit. Like you know, the, this episode's coming out much later, so I can actually say this. You know, my my pastor had a very uh, big event happen to him. You know, he was in the ICU, and just immediately I felt like I was abandoned by my father, and I was just it just it hurt real bad. I couldn't go to church for a while. Um, couldn't go to prayer groups. So, you know, how, how has your how, how is your mental faculty how have your mental faculties been since, you know, getting all this off your chest, your dad? And, you know, how, how have you um, what are you doing to try and maintain uh, your mental health?
1: This podcast a lot. I, I've been keeping myself busy. And, um, you know, going back to before I answer that question is in our interview, I kept calling you Lockie and not lucky the whole time and you never told me anything and when we went back because we were episode 30 and I, we were going back listening to old episodes i was like come on man you could have at least told us <laughs> like so we let all those you know we, we we had to joke about it and so to this day like lucky lucky and i'm like man the whole time but um to go back to your question w- with mental health um especially now working from home and 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 you know i feel like the the one thing that i'm struggling right now is balance on the podcast you know i i am hitting this this point where everybody wants to be on the show or people calling me wanting to know the story it feels good at the time but i'm the type of person that i don't like to say no so i'm trying to juggle all that and, and and also try to be a you know a husband and a dog father at the same time you know so that's keeping me kind of same with my mental health. But when I have my own time, um, I feel grateful. You know, I, I feel like what I'm doing is right. And so as long as it's not, you know, my wife says, hey, you don't have time for me. But I see you being busy. You're being positive. You're, you're making a difference. And I think that that's what's helping me right now. You know, Um There's something that, you know, because you're a podcaster, there's something that I told Paul, I said, hey, look, Paul, do not look at the numbers because the minute that you start looking at those numbers, now you're going to want to be strategic or you want to think that things work and things not. Be yourself. I said, throw those numbers out of the trash. I don't, honestly, I don't know how many we listen to except for that John Insteen one because that was just overnight. That was just crazy. But the other ones, Uh, I ask them, I go, are they going up? Yes. Okay. Just because I don't want to look at numbers because you said it best. If you're doing podcasts and you do three and you were able to break it down, you do one, the gaming one, you do one with your friend and you do this. When you're always there, you're yourself. And there's a moment that you have control. You're able to control the conversation, gear the conversation. And most importantly, you're able to benefit because you can go back and listen to those videos and say, man that that was a good one, or I need to work on this week. And so I, I think that that going back to that's what's helping me do do all this, you know, right now, I'll be honest with you, I look at your YouTube videos, and I see all the designs and everything you do. I don't know how to do that. So all I do is interview those people and edit video edit and you know, and I was like, you know what, I'm only gonna do eight minutes of good shit. <laughs> the rest I'll keep it for Patreon or something. But I got to do what I got to do to make it work and to make what's happy or what makes me happy. And again, I don't know everything and I'm not going to act like I do, but I think that it's working. And so I just keep moving forward with all that.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good point. You know, as I've been talking to different people, you know, I had a gentleman named uh Shukla on recently and he was, you know, um, uh, Indian and he was, you know, talked about Hinduism, but I remember, you know, he was just talking about balance and I, I kind of had this miss. Uh, this kind of uh, misunderstanding of what balance meant, and he was telling me, you know, when I first got here, you know, I was working two jobs. I would only get three or four hours of sleep, but what, and you would say, you know, where's the balance in that? Well, I had to balance it with other things. So, you know, it, and I kind of equated to, you know, if you're looking at like uh, like a milk gallon and you're looking at four quarts, those are similar. I mean, those are the same weight, but they're four different things, and this is one thing. So you can't do it based off of the look test. Right. And I think that's a really key point. And, you know, and what you're, you're kind of talking about is pretty much how I feel with anything, right. Whenever I look at somebody else's videos, you know, I'm just like, Oh my God, how do you do that effect? You know, how do you do this? How long did it take you to do that? And, you know, it it, it does make me, um, you know, it does sometimes, sometimes I do go down the rabbit hole with that. I'm just like, Oh my goodness gracious. You know, I'm not asking the right questions. And, you know, it's funny as I've gone on with this, I've kind of started to uh, put less questions and less things that like less notes down. I used to do like four or five pages of notes and one page of questions and watch at least three hours of somebody's content and all that kind of oh, stuff. Man. And, you know, and, but it got so, you know, when I really watched them, I was just like, man, I don't really have any of me in there, you know, and that, you know, is my podcast. So I'm trying to um, ask questions that pertain to kind of what I, I want to talk about as well. And, Uh, you know, speaking of which, you know, we had kind of uh you know, I kind of alluded to, you know, young men earlier. Um, what do you think is what do you I mean, all right, let me just ask you this. Are you more optimistic or pessimistic towards what the young young men's futures in, you know, in the in the coming generations? Because I'm starting to see, you know, I I was reading the study and I was like, oh my god, you know, they were saying the testosterone rates have actually dropped with uh with pretty much uh, like pretty exponentially from, you know, uh, I think it was uh, about the baby boomer generation. And I was just like, you know, some some people have, you know, when they're in their uh, 20s or something like that, have the same testosterone as somebody who, sh- who should be in their 80s. You know, I'm just okay. like, wow, that's some crazy stuff. I mean, so what are you more optimistic or pessimistic towards the future of young men?
1: Optimistic. And, 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 I, and I'll explain as to why the younger generation made it easy for someone like me in my forties to explain what happened because you see it at a young age and you have to adapt because at one point we were young and where we're at now, the, my parents don't like it. So I had to learn that uh, real fast. You know, uh, an example was that is that we, you and I off, off air. We were talking about, you talked about MMA. I don't like MMA at all, but I'm a huge boxing fan. Someone asked me about uh, Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather fighting. I don't really like it, but it's going to help the sport of boxing. It's going to help the sport of MMA. And now other people are going to start fighting. So that's a good thing because people are looking forward to that. People want marketing. and, and, And that's where this young generation, because of the phone's technology, that's what is making this part of life easier for us. Now, where i think that that's lacking is the common sense factor you know like how to talk to people how to date girls you know not look at the iphone and say oh i posted something two minutes later how many likes i have i'm glad that i didn't have that back then because i feel like this younger generation that's what's going to hurt them and i don't think it's going to be easy for them to acknowledge you know back then what was things like you know how to go outside and play basketball instead of doing everything xbox does it for you now so who knows
0: (laughs) yeah no i mean i think that's definitely a good point i think at least for me i'm i'm definitely optimistic just because i do feel like there are a lot of young men now that are you know i was talking to a you know a good young man uh lawrence he was from a youtube channel um and you know he was on with his mother as well and you know he talked very openly you know he's a senior in high school and talks really openly about uh depression and anxiety adhd all that kind of stuff and you know i could ask him anything and he'd just say it right you know right on my podcast and you know i i really like that aspect of it and i think that's a very positive thing uh the places where i don't know where i i don't know where i stand on is just the way that young men are kind of told, like, hey, man, you know, you're too, you know, you're too angry, you need to calm down, you know, you need to calm down, you need to calm down. And, you know, when I, in my opinion, I think all they really need is is an outlet for their aggression, like sports, you know, I martial arts, I always um, try and tell people about jujitsu, you know, and, uh, you know, depending on what age your kid is, of course, but you know, because I I realized after a while that, you know, not having a father, I just realized that I didn't know how to let out my aggression. You know, I never had somebody to put me into check. You know, my mom was Mm -hmm. working two jobs. I, you know, and she had to worry about, you know, three kids and you know, I was a little piece of crap back then, man. I still remember, you know, just asking for this really expensive Optimus Prime figure, a Transformer figure. Oh, and yeah, yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. I I couldn't, I couldn't not get it. It was like 35 bucks, which was a lot back in the 90s. And it still is kind of right now, right? But uh, Especially for a toy. And then, you know, she was trying to get me something else. I couldn't go without that. <laughs> I grabbed it and never played with it. I just, I grabbed it, never played with it. And I, I that's still, I still think about that today. I'm just like, wow, I would have... Smacked me, man. I don't believe in corporal punishment, but I would have smacked me, man. But you know, shout out to my mom out there. Thank you so much for uh, not not uh, not throwing me on the side of the road for all I did to you. But uh, you know, and I think that that kind of brings me to you know my next uh, question. You know how how have your relationships been now? Obviously, you said you're married. I mean, how has uh, your whole story kind of fit in with that? Has there been any difficulties because obviously being abused, um, having a father kind of abandon you. I feel like that could have a lot of uh, trust issues into it. You know um, you were just talking a little bit earlier and this is very common. I I think with uh, men who don't have, or who don't have a constant father figure in their life is they're always looking for other people's approval. They're always trying to figure out, you know, how can I please this, or, you know, how can, how can I um, get this person to to look at me and say, I'm great. I mean, how has it affected your relationships?
1: I'm glad, uh, glad you brought that up. So the episode that's coming up tonight, is about trust issues. It's funny that you say that. Uh, I have trust issues. Like, I don't trust anybody. You know, I, I, to this day, I don't, you know, if my mom ever does something bad to me, my stepfather, brother, or even my wife, Jennifer, I'm already in that mentality that, okay, yeah, they're, that's, that's human and then things happen. But to kind of go back what you said, my stepfather was always there for me, you know, um, just, I needed his approval. You said that. So growing up, I was really good and very competitive at soccer. You know, I had scholarships, people would pay for me to play, but my father never made me feel that I was good enough. And I, I said that, I think that that ended up hurting me at the end of the day because you're wanting me to be humble, but I needed your approval. You know, um, after I, after I had talked to my father, I called my, my, stepfather crying and i said hey you know i love you i want to let you know you my father and he never he never called but he heard the episode on the podcast and called and said hey son i apologize you know he said my mom made him call but (laughs) he at least said hey son i I apologize you right i love you too that was the fourth time he's ever told me i love you ever so the podcast has made a big difference for the family for friends because I started to realize the person that I was, I was always realizing with my best friend, I had my best friend Mario on there. And I realized there was 10 years that we didn't talk. What happened? You know, I I I, I was a greedy friend and I just, you know, I was like, eh, I don't need him. And now that we're both older because we lost another close friend, another guy named Mario. And um, we know that we can't let each other go anymore. Like we're here to stay. And so as I got older, you know you you have to admit the bad things that 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 I did and I and I think that that's the hardest like looking back at things whenever you know me talking about it right now I'm like ooh, I was a I was a shitty friend I was a shitty son so when I started admitting to that I think that my parents were like okay you said it first so let me let me apologize now but but it worked for me it worked for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I mean, when you had your mom on, I remember her kind of apologizing to you as well as you kind of were were kind of talking about this whole abuse story. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, she'd known about it, but, you know, talking about the abuse story and all that kind of stuff and hearing it from two different perspectives was very interesting as well. I mean, I encourage everybody to to go listen to that episode. Um, But, you know, I think that that also kind of brings up an interesting point, right, is when you had talked about, you know, all of a sudden, when somebody dies in your life, all of a sudden, you're just like, I got to keep people close, you know? Um, you know, it is, are you now more conscious of that? And this isn't me calling you out. I think this is just something okay. that happens, you know, when you, when you talk about the, I don't know if you're familiar with like the hedonic treadmill, it's basically um, hedonism is like this idea that, uh, you know, you seek pleasure, right? You, you, you go out, whatever is the highest amount of pleasure is the best good, you know? And This hedonic treadmill is basically whenever we get into a new situation, like you get rich, all of a sudden, all of your whole balance kind of sets back into this. So that's why rich people, you know, people say, rich people, why can't you be happy? You have everything. It's like, well, they're at that point. So now they need more to get more happy or they need, you know, need to kind of stay in balance in a different way. Um, You know, how, how are you learning from that? to kind of, um, to kind of go forward, cherishing things, because it's something that I still struggle with nowadays too. You know, I, all of a sudden, you know, my mom's going to be moving here pretty soon. And, you know, I, I remember for like a whole year, I was like, oh man, I'm finally free and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was interesting when she did say, you know, she's coming back and I was like, oh man, you know, I just realized I never call her at all, you know, and she's, you know, she's getting up there in age. And you know, I was just like, man, you know, I really don't, you know, and the last time she was down here, I had a bunch of podcasts booked for that week, but I didn't realize that I overlapped them. And so I didn't really get to see her all that much. And, you know, so it it really does. I mean, this is kind of me confessing too, right? Like I really don't cherish a lot of things that are around me. So how do you kind of get into that? You know, whether it be your wife or just people that are close to you, like how do you try and remind yourself to cherish those people?
1: Uh, I just started doing it. And it was something that I, I was, um, working on when I started the podcast, I'm a very greedy person. You know, like, I, I know I earlier I said I'll give you, you know, the, but when it comes to material things or feelings, I'm gonna put myself first over everybody just because that was the mentality that I have. So it's been very difficult. Um When my, fr- when my close friend Mario passed away, it, it, it changed everything because he was my friend that we would go, you know, he was my um Barney 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 from uh, how I met your mother we were like that you know we we had we would go in there ha- how many numbers we'd have that was a friend that i had and and before he passed away he said um and he he was crying and i had never seen him cry he said hey man i'm glad that you became something because i was worried i was worried that one day you were going to get mad and you were either going to kill somebody somebody was going to kill you or you were just going to end up being in the streets that hit me hard because as my friend, we know we don't talk like that, but, but to hear that and say, hey, you got a good wife, it, it was a better feeling than hearing it from my mom. And that's just because when we grew up as kids, we knew the struggle, we knew what we had to do. And so when I lost him, that made it that made me change more. But a few years after that, my brother-in-law lived with me for eight years. And when he passed away, that, that messed me up because I saw a side of my wife That i never knew could exist you know when she lost her brother it's like she lost a piece of her and so i had to now adapt to what things are how to to be caring because that's not who i was so when that happened and then my friend you know fast forward three years later when my friend passed away it started it made me realize life is precious you know um i don't worry about money anymore you know um I say this jokingly, I said, hey, before I met my wife, I had money to spend, I could do whatever I want. Now when I'm with her, maybe because I start paying bills or I know this, I don't have money. So I said, hey, you know what? I'm rich, but I'm rich in personality, like Prince says that, and I said, but I'm rich with your love. So I'd rather have your love than to have all this money when I wasn't anything. So it balanced out, you know, I'm rich in other ways and I'm blessed in other ways. Uh, other than financial
0: yeah well said and i think you know when we talk about you know i, I mean it just reminds me of you know my uncle tim is an uh even uh evangelist and you know always preaching and all that kind of stuff and when he preached at my my father's funeral man that guy I brought down the house with that that speech man and one of the things that he said you know Um, you know, you, you know, money without God, and I always translate this to to people that aren't religious, you know, money without morals is worthless, because when you die, you're not bringing that that fancy car, you're not bringing that house, you're not bringing any of that with you, you know, and I think that's a good point, you know, we really have to start getting back to cherishing the relationships as well. And obviously, you know, we live in a capitalistic society. So obviously, we need to balance that out. But, you know, I I think that's, that's a really good, I think that's a really healthy perspective, right? Because when you think about it, sometimes we overlook a lot of things. And, you know, you talked about being greedy. Some people have the opposite thing, right? Where they just give too much. And it's just like, Oh man, now I'm, now I'm really screwed. And you, who am I going to be able, who are you going to be able to help if you don't have anything? Yeah. So I think in a way it kind of worked out for you as well. Right. Because, you know, you have all, you know, now you're, you'd be able to still give um, and granted maybe in more than you want to, but sometimes, but um, you know, I think that's a really key point and, you know, kind of going into, you um, Kind of going into uh, you know something else that I kind of wanted to uh, to talk about a little bit is you know how is how is the your your culture with mental health because I always talk about the Samoan culture and how we kind of we're a lot more spiritual based so a lot of it has to do with you know you have to pray to God more you have to you know pray it away you know all that kind of stuff um, you know how is it in your culture you know you kind of t- uh, alluded to you know a lot of Um, your family kind of, you know, just uh, saying to kind of hold it in, you know, that wasn't cool to really show a lot of that out, but how is your, how how do you think uh, your culture is with it overall? I mean, especially nowadays.
1: I I think for my immediate family, I think we all are damaged when it comes to that because we're never going to come to each other when, whenever we're sad, you know, like if, and, and I'll say this, like when my, My grandma just passed away during the snow thing and uh i knew my father was really sad i'm pretty sure he cried but i didn't see that in front of him he just didn't let me see that i knew that i couldn't go to him and say hey hey pops it's all right thing because he probably would have pushed me away because it would have been weird so i wouldn't say that it's a um a cultural thing because i know a lot of people say that it's mexicans are that way i think everybody can be that way I think that it stems from generations, you know, because my grandpa and I, um, my grandpa, one time my brother was going to hug him and my grandpa said, men don't hug, we shake hands. And this is, you know, my stepdad saying, I love you four times. But the goal is like, if I would have had kids, I don't have kids. I would have said, hey, son, I love you. Things are OK. So as long as things get better with generations, I think that that's going to help. And I hope that that happens. But yeah. the 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 culture of machismo I think that that's gone I I really do because I feel like I have cousins now who graduated who are very strong females and I'm glad instead of me saying hey if your husband hits you I'll beat his ass so it's helped because but you know my aunts and uncles I mean my aunts they're old school they still you know serve their husbands they didn't work they provided for my cousins so it was a lot of that old school and then my uncles were a lot of that machismo where my cousins now, you know, we can't get we can't do that with our wives. You know, if we say, "Hey, go get me a damn taco," man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get slapped by a taco. <laughs> so it, it it's really difficult and I, and I I am actually kind of glad that that's kind of dying because I, I if if that was the case that we would never see successful women where they're at now you know and so i'm a big part of the he for she black lives movement because it's always for the best whatever's doing whatever's for the best um so i'm kind of glad that the whole machismo and oh i'll beat you up and go get me a taco i'm glad those days are are, are dying
0: yeah definitely i think to a certain extent you probably wouldn't be here talking to me right and uh you know if if that was if that were the case so you know just because of you know there would still be a lot of stigma around it around mental health Mm -hmm. especially in men i think that's where a lot of the stigma happens because um this might be kind of controversial to say but i feel like women are able to invoke more empathy with people than like if i if i end up crying right next to a girl that's crying more than likely she's going to get comforted first and then they'll come to me. Right. And Uh, I actually, I, yeah, I actually have no problem with that. I'm much more, uh, I'm more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck in that old way of like uh, and I think this is a good thing, you know uh, when you talk about the Titanic, right. Women and children go off first, you know, guys will, I don't know, just just join with the band or something like that. But you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm I, them out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you know,
1: George uh, Costanza on field, I'm push those kids and run out of the fire. That's me. That's uh,
0: hey, there you go, man. There you go, dude. But uh you know, and you know, obviously that board was definitely big enough for Rose and Jack. We all know that. But uh, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, right. But you know, I think that's a really a really good point. And you know. One of the things that I wanted to kind of ask you as well is, you know, I know you're you're on uh, you're on medication as well. And, you know, how has that kind of helped you? Because obviously, you know, I've had so many different reactions to it on this channel of people that, uh, you know, never wanted to be on it. Um, understandable. And people that were maybe hesitant to be on it and then got on it and they're doing a lot better and you know i was on it for a short while and then eventually got off um but you know how is that how is it really um how has it affected your uh your depression or you know all, all the things that you're kind of dealing with
1: uh, it's a lifesaver without it i, I don't i don't think it, i could be where i'm at today um i started taking ritalin at a very early age i think i was maybe 10 11 because at first it was ritalin and um my father didn't believe in that so we would go to mexico he'll just pour everything down the toilet he was like, the only crazy people take this. But I can never, you know, I I, um, I said this, I can never stay still. If you can see me right now moving and moving, I, I can't stay still. You know, like I try to watch the Justice League four hours. I had to pause it because I was like, man, this is too damn long. <laughs> like, get to the point. <laughs> so these medications work. I would tell someone if your son needs it, if your daughter needs it, if anybody needs it, take it because it will make a difference it will definitely make a difference. I, I don't care. I'll be the first one to make a commercial for Vivance and be like, hey, I used to be mad, but now I'm happy. You know, side effects, I don't know, but it's good to go. So I'll be a spokesperson for Vivance, but it's definitely made a difference. I, my wife can tell. Um, people at work can tell because I used to be a hyper. You know, they can tell I'm more focused, especially now that we all work from home. I need it because I have to contain in the office. So, me, the the medication is definitely, definitely a big factor of who I am today. I, I think without it, I probably wouldn't be here having this conversation.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I like I said, this is why I like to have different viewpoints on because, you know, mm-hmm. when people hear that, I, oh, yeah, he got off medication. Like, wow. It's like, no, I just that was just a different path that I had to take. Right. It was just a different yeah. thing. And you know there are people that you know need to be on medication, and I kind of tell it like this, right? Like you can always get off of this medication. It's not like a lot of these things do have. You know, even if they raise your cholesterol, like you know, my I had an antipsychotic that raised my cholesterol. Once I got off it, it went back to normal pretty pretty instantly. And so, you know, and it didn't really help that I was stuffing my face with burgers. So that also, uh, you know, that that was on me. Right. And so I, I think that's such a, a key point for everybody to kind of learn. And, you know, I got one more question for you before I kind of, you know, give you the floor to, you know, give your message out there to people. But, you know, do you ever find yourself because I, I had somebody on that was, you know, kind of talking about life as a craft and. You know, I hear all these kind of metaphors for life. And I always think of uh, life as a fight, right? Because I'm into MMA and I'm also into boxing as well. And I always think about the adaptations people have to make in the ring, the difference between sparring and going live, you know, the difference between me talking to you off air and talking on air, right? So there's, there's a lot of uh, similarities in it. Do you ever find yourself comparing life to something that you hold true, whether it be a sport or, you know, like boxing or, um, you know, just something that, uh, that you're really into?
1: Yeah, I uh, you know, gr- growing up, it was always a fight. You know, I one of my biggest role models was Mike Tyson. You know, it's not, you know, people are like, why? I said, because he's always angry and he always saw black and he was always fighting. Now that he's older, he cries a lot. And that's how I feel. You know, he, he, he made it feel like it's okay to cry because it's Iron Mike effing Tyson. You know, he has his podcast and, One of my favorite episodes he talked to sugar ray leonard and he cried he said you're the reason why i'm a boxer i mean he started bawling and i was like that's who i was i i I needed i focused on a tiger on a lion uh metaphor you know signs you know jesus had my back so i had to find a lot of things to make sure that things were were okay as i got older um now it's more responsibility the, the word responsibility comes into factor like i don't have to prove that i have all these jordans and just because i i had low self-esteem you know so i you know go to work you would never see me with my shoes my shoes get dirty i throw them away and buy a new pair so i don't do that now i'm like no they cost a lot of money you know now i need my money i need to i need to save because i'm getting old i have no kids you know i have to go to a good nursing home or something but to, um, to people, you know, like, like you mentioned, you have to find something to stay sane. You know, if, if it, 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 hopefully something healthy when I say that. You know, like if you want to play video games because that's your moment of having fun, do it. If you want to watch movies, anime, sports, find that one thing that can take you out of the world for that moment. Because I feel like that's therapy without you actually going to therapy. In my case right now, I think it's the podcast.
0: Yeah, that's really well said, and I think you know that's that's a really good point, right? You know, I love um, you know I love MMA fighters, I love boxers, and you know I've always been very you know in, in MMA I really love the the counter strikers, right? I always love it, you know. That's why I like Floyd Mayweather. I mean, I don't personally, you know, there's a lot of personality in there, and you know he does a lot of stuff, but you know I you can't diss the guy's boxing, man, and you know you just see him piece people together piece people up because he understands the game just so well and adapts to everybody's style you know i remember he got hit really bad one time and just didn't let it happen again you know you wouldn't have been able to tell that he would have won the rest of that fight right and i think that's a really big uh part of that whole thing and i i really like uh you know i really like how you kind of put that you know when you talk about iron mike you know you know, he just had a, you know, a fight with uh, Roy Jones Jr. Um, you know, they both came out of retirement to, you know, make a little money and all that kind of stuff. But I actually saw a little bit of that fight, and I know a lot of people didn't really like it. But, man, I loved it, man. It was awesome seeing him kind of – these two guys kind of getting back to what they're good at. Granted, they're not as good as they were before, but, mm-hmm. you know, you know, can you imagine – you know, you can't just put them in. You know, you can't just put in Mike Tyson with Tyson Fury. You know, it's just not going to work. So oh, put them in man. with somebody that's the same age, right? And yeah, I really loved hearing that story. And I really do like that he is a lot more, you know, laid back. And, you know, his his thing is, is pot now, right? Like he smokes a lot of pot. You know, his, his whole his podcast is called Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, you know, it's all about trying to find your own thing. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the key point is to kind of figure out what works for you. But, you know, but, uh, you know, Jesse, I just kind of want to give you the floor. You know, if there's anything else you want to kind of get off your chest, you know, there's a lot of people out there. I feel like there's a lot more people out there like you than probably both of us realize that have a lot of anger issues that, you know, maybe grew up fighting and, you know, kind of didn't know what it was like with the, you know, didn't really know how to get that aggression out. I mean, what would you kind of say to people that are, you know, struggling right now that maybe don't feel like they can let their true self out, you know, whether it be, you know, they can't let their emotions out or anything like that. I mean, what would you tell, uh, tell my audience?
1: I would say, um, Find, there's going to come, there's going to be a point in your life where you know that you're down, and, and I didn't even get to talk about it, so I apologize. There was a point that changed my whole life, but um, you'll find that, and you'll know in your heart that it's time to change, and when you, when you know in your heart, don't let that slip away. You know, again, find what's going to make you happy. There's people who turn religion, there's books, you know, there's motivational speakers, there's um it's really it's it's almost like love you can't really explain it because many people have different outlets but i would i just want to say hang in there don't don't give up at all you know if you were like in my point i was sexually molested it wasn't my fault i was eight years old i had no control you know my dad burning me i had no control he won't burn me now because it's a different outlet you know but we are gonna We all have hard lives. Some of them are harder than others. Don't compare it. You know, you live your life. If you want to share it, share it. If not, you know, um, get help. I, I really want to tell everyone, you know, find that help because you can't do it by yourself. You know, I tried doing it by myself and I couldn't do it. I tried pushing it away. And when I come home, I'd cry because I was like, what am I doing? And so you find someone, you find help being if it's, you know, whatever some people, you know, again, there was a while where I did turn to religion. I did ask, you know, God why why did you let this happen? But now I say thank you for letting this happen because now I'm safe. Now I know what you gave me. You know, um, so that that that's what makes me happy. That's that's what that's the outlet that I do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's I I mean I, I say it just so often, you know, and especially, you know, I was looking up statistics of um, you know, this is what I like to do with my free time. I, I looked up the statistics of, uh, you know, suicide victims and, you know, when, when you look at the the male rate of suicide, they're 85%, uh, you know, if they do commit, if they do try and act, uh, you know, commit the act, they're 85% likely to actually go through with it. Whereas women are a lot less. So that means they can get help after they, you know, after somebody finds them, you know, they can say, Hey, you know, we need to get you some help. Whereas men, the minute they get to that point, they they don't have a chance to ask for help you know and I, I when i was on your podcast i talked about chester bennington and you know uh, it, yeah. it just it really it really hurts to see somebody get to that point and so what you're telling about get, not giving up i think that's just such a, that's i don't think that can be emphasized enough for people because like there's just some crappy situations in your life that you're always that will you know, maybe that you'll have trauma for the rest of your life and all that kind of stuff. You know, I still have trauma from my dad, you know, and it, it definitely, uh, definitely hurts. And, you know, when, but I end up using that as fuel. You know, I used a little bit of that in my rap when I was doing that on here. And, you know, when we do talk about this stuff, I think it's just really key th- so that because I think losing a potential person in this world is just such a waste. And I think it's one of the worst things that can ever happen. But, you know, Jesse, I really appreciate you being on here. I think, you're one of the you know you're one of the realest people that I've ever really talked Please to man. just in general and I think that's what kind of made me want to start um, you know changing the way I interview changing the way that I I talk to people changing the things that I wanted to do because I really wasn't going to do that casual bros podcast with my friend but you know just thinking about it I was like man I feel like I'd have a lot of regrets and I think. Um, you know, also for anybody, you know, obviously we've talked about it a lot and I will have mentioned it in my intro video. Do check out dragging the line. It's a really great podcast and he definitely has some great guests. Also, he has a uh, YouTube channel called one more Sanchez where he does uh, interviews kind of like this. And uh, yeah, Jesse, once again, man, thank you for being on.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Hey guys. Thanks for watching mental health casual. Don't forget to like share and subscribe for more videos.